This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name's Mark Vance, and this is part two of a series I'm doing on the subject of gender identity, of transgenderism, and just trying to be a helpful guide in a subject that can be so confusing for so many people. Last time on the podcast, we spent a bit of time just trying to give definition, because I know that sometimes just simply the words used around this discussion can be confusing for Christians, and we tried to lay the basic theological question behind all of this, which is who has the loudest voice in declaring who we are? Is it that I get to declare who I am based on my internal sense? Is it that the world around me speaks about who I am from a social sense? sense, or is it that God is the one who defines gender and identity through his word spoken in creation and in his word? And I'm suggesting that in the natural orders, God has declared the way that gender works. We need to let God's speech be the primary definition. That Those are kind of some theological foundations. And what I want to do today is actually try to really address a question Uh, from the perspective of the most common person that comes to me. Because the most common person that comes and asks me this question isn't necessarily a person themselves struggling with their gender or their identity, though I have processed through that with a number of people. The most common person who comes to talk to me is a friend or a family member, someone who has a loved one who's saying, hey, I'm confused about my gender, or I'm thinking about transitioning, or hey, you may have grown up knowing me as this name, but now I want you to call me this name. Often I'm talking with friends and family members who are just deeply confused themselves about how to help this person that they love. And so I want to try to be a pastor to you on the podcast today. What do you do if you're a hurting parent? How do you love your child? And I want to in this podcast, attempt to carefully distinguish between um, ideologies of transgenderism, which frankly we must confront with biblical truth, and people who are struggling with their gender identity who we want to go toward with compassion and care. The two, by the way, are not mutually exclusive. You can hold biblical convictions and be a person of compassion. In fact, I hope you are both of those things. But it's really important to realize that the people that we're talking to, who themselves are confused, are people who, you know, often I think of the the passage in Second Corinthians that talks about how the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They've been taken captive to do his will. That The language in Second Corinthians, Corinthians there is language that speaks of people who are themselves actively sinning, but sees those people not as like enemy combatants in a grand war, but actually as those who have been taken captive. They're kidnapped by the devil. They're ensnared. They're trapped. They're enslaved. You have compassion on a person in that situation. I want to say that's our basic lean-in as Christians. When we see a person trapped with gender confusion, we shouldn't be thinking, oh, that's an ideology I need to confront. No, we need to think that's a person made in God's image who is confused, who's actually been taken captive by a wrong way of thinking, a wrong way of living, and who needs to experience the freedom and fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, how do we have compassion with people while holding biblical convictions? And how, especially for a parent or a friend, do we love these people? Let's dive into that. So, let's ask the first question. Uh, 
what do I say to a son, a child, a friend who comes to me and says, I, I think I need to transition my gender, something like that. The, the first thing I want to say here is when I'm talking to people, the first question I will ask is, what age is your friend or your child? This is really important because age can be a major, major factor. Nearly all cases, a huge percentage of cases, of those who have struggled with gender identity in their teenage years, if they simply will just press forward and not take radical medical interventions, those cases will work themselves out in time. The teenage years are, are years of incredible challenge. I mean, you're going through all these changes in your body. You don't know how you feel about yourself or how other people about, feel about yourself. And so I just want to encourage parents many times teens who are 12, 13, 14 years old who feel like they are so profoundly struggling will by their 20s have figured this out. Don't believe the statements that say, no, there's no way. They have to be told how to fix this now. Many, many times, this is just one of the myriad of issues in life where, frankly, time can heal wounds. I say this to people struggling in their marriage. I say, you know, honestly, you just need to stay married and keep working on it many, many times. Because actually, if you'll put the effort in over time, most unhappy marriages will become happy again. Time can heal things. We're, we're in a culture that wants instant solutions, and this question of gender identity and confusion often doesn't have a quick solution. But if we can stay the course, and so as a parent, if you have a, a minor child, the most important thing you can do is walk with them in compassion, but not make permanent medical decisions. Not make any, not give in to any sort of permanent medical decision that would go against the biology that God's designed. Don't allow that to happen, parent. While you can, you need to hold the line on that. So age is the first question. The second question I'll ask, though, what kind of point that I'll make there, is to say, we want to do whatever we can to remain in relationship, okay? There's a way to hold convictions, but you don't have to state everything you think as soon as someone talks to you about their gender confusion. In other words, the first time somebody says, I think I'm confused, that's probably not a time to sit them down and explain everything that you need them to know about what you think. Because what that will do is, in being honest to your convictions, you will likely jeopardize the relationship. I want you to prioritize, especially at first, slowly listening so that you stay in relationship and dialogue with a person over immediately stating your opinion. There will be a time, if you will listen carefully, that they will ask you, what do you think about this? Okay, But you want to, your first step before you first share everything you're feeling, you need to listen as carefully as you can. And I want to say to you, parent or friend who's listening to this, that can be incredibly difficult because of a third point. Um, at, cer- at a certain point, you're going to need to be honest about how you personally feel about what you have just heard. So I, remember, I said you need to start out with listening. But at a certain point, every parent that I've talked to in this, what they experience is a, is a deep grief because every parent wants the best for their child. And every parent who sees a child struggling with a gender identity question, the they just know this is not the best for my child. And I've talked to parents whose children have made the decision to fully pursue transitioning as they were in adulthood. 
And it's incredibly painful for those parents, not just because they see that as a breach of biblical conviction, but because as a parent, I mean, I've grown up praying for my child's spouse. I've grown up imagining a future of what their family might look like. And to have a child come and say, actually, I'm not going to identify with my gender, I'm going to change my name, what you have is the death of a deeply personal vision for what you thought flourishing would look like for your child. And that is deeply personal and painful. And so, while I would caution you from immediately sharing all of your feelings, I also would say you need to have the honesty to share some of those those feelings, not of anger or resentment, but of just grief. You're, you're grieving the loss of a vision of the future that you once had, and you're going to need to share those feelings of grief. With um, You're going to need to share those feelings of grief, frankly, with your child or friend who's transitioning. Um, that's going to be important, uh, because they need to hear that their decisions aren't just going to have consequences for them personally, but they have consequences for others socially. They need to hear that. But you're also going to need a safe place. And so this is where your friends, your church community, the body of Christ, we need to have the opportunity to bear one another's burdens. And so parents, friends, if you're really struggling, I just want to urge you that this isn't something you have to hide. This is a space where actually godly people can simply come around you and they'll, they'll lift you up in the Lord. They'll pray for you. They'll walk with you. You probably don't need your friends to solve all of your questions. You just need them to hear your grief and to walk with you in it. So don't hide. This is actually the time not where you have to figure it all out privately, where you're going to need some friends to just walk with you. So go to some of your dearest biblical friends and just ask them to walk with you. Okay, so we've talked a couple points of how do I love. First one is just a consideration of age. Second one, that I want you to learn to listen and lean in to keep the relationship open. Third place, you need to have places to be honest with the grief that you're going to feel, parents. A fourth step that I would advocate here, and this is very important, is you're going to have to be honest about your convictions. Um, You're going to have to be honest about the way that you see God's plan working. And I'm going to give you a couple of tools for how to do that. Because as a child uh, comes to you or a friend comes to you struggling, or maybe they, they, aren't, they don't think of themselves as struggling. They want you to accept and affirm everything, but you just can't do that. How do you express biblical convictions? How do you go about doing that? Often I find it is really hard for you to just sit somebody down and say, this is how I feel about all this. Instead, I think that sometimes it can be helpful to say, something like this. I want you to know that I love you, but I feel really conflicted because love, I think, demands that I want what's best for you, and I don't believe this path you're choosing is the best path for you. I think God has a better design and a better path for you here, and I, I want pr- I'm praying for you to pursue that path, and I know it's, it's hard to hear that, doesn't change that I love you, but I want you to know I don't think this is the best path. And I want, I want to share maybe some perspective that could be there. And then what I do is, if you can share a simple statement, I think it's helpful to point them to a resource. And the one that I tell parents to use is a website, livingout.org. Livingout.org. 
That website was started by uh, Sam Alberry, who himself is a pastor and noted author. He actually in the future is going to be out at Cornerstone doing work with us. And I would say his name, Sam Alberry, and livingout.org are the resources that I say for parents or friends, say, share that with your friend, with your sibling, with your child that's transitioning. The reason I give the website is a couple reasons. First off, many people who are going through a process of gender transition have sought almost all of their input and information on this through online sources. They're very online in the way that they've processed. Well, livingout.org is a online resource that they can go to, so it speaks a language they can hear. Secondly, that website is filled with not just written materials or articles for churches or parents, it's filled with testimonial videos of people who lived a trans life, of people who detransitioned. All of those videos are on that website, so it gives a place for them to explore. And so, what I, what I generally try to do is say, I don't think you want to sit down and try to have the conversation right out front with everything you believe right away. Be patient and listen, but there will become a certain point in time where you just need to say, I need to share my biblical convictions with you. It means, it doesn't mean I don't love you, but it just means you need to hear something of what I believe would be God's best for you. And livingout.org can be a great resource. And so even if you're a parent or a friend who's struggling, I would just implore you, go to that website, read some of their materials that are online. It just can be so helpful to you as a person. It would be grounding biblically and practically. Now, above all of this, Above all this, above wisdom around what age a child would be, uh, the advocation to stay in a relationship by listening, the the need to have honest places where you you share your not just your convictions but your feelings of grief, but then also a pathway to share uh, what you believe God teaches on this. All those are key. All of that needs to be done with a heart of compassion. This is underneath all of it. Love covers a multitude of sins, and if you genuinely love the person across from you. Um, and try to act in love, though they may not take that as a step in love, you do everything you can to love the person. You have to guard your heart personally. And so the best way I know to do this is just commit. If you have a friend or family going through, just pray for them every single day. Say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my desires. Give me a heart of love for this person. Not the sort of false love that our culture would advocate, that says I have to to love someone, I have to go along with everything they say. You don't have to do that. But pray for a heart of compassion, a heart of care, because tenderness, compassion, care, and love are critical to maintain that relationship. Now, here, here's the last thing I want to say as kind of a piece of counsel here. When you're having conversations with someone you love, with a friend or a family member, there is a point in time where it's important for you to have conversation about the painful process that they are going to go through. Now, this is important to state in two ways. A person who is going through a space where they're considering transitioning their gender is already undergoing a very painful internal psychological process. They don't want what they're feeling. They want to feel normal. They feel conflicted. They're going through a painful spot. And so they're looking for a release from that pain. They want something to take away the hurt that they're feeling, right? And so they're reaching to transitioning to say, I think this will help me feel better. But what many people who reach for that option 
are not realizing is that taking that step of pursuing transition will put them on a path that requires very painful steps to go through. Now, this is important. I'm going to say this at the front, then I'm going to go through a bit more. If we are asking a person, so in transitioning, gender identity question, what we're saying is we need to conform our physical biology, our outward self, to our internal psychology, right? That's the step that culturally people are taking. They're saying, I feel something inside. What I feel is most real, so I need to conform my outsides to my insides, my physicality to my psychology. But what we want to say as Christians is, okay, there are two paths that you can take here. If you're struggling with where your gender is, there are two paths. Both paths are painful. One path is the path that would we would say as Christians you should take to follow Christ, which is, though you may feel painfully disconnected from your body, to stay living as a person whose biology, whose physical self actually needs to trump your psychological self is the better path. In other words, we're going to advocate to people remaining in a state that is difficult for them, saying, actually, to radically try to change your outside physical self to conform to your inner self isn't going to fully work. Because God designed you as a physical person, he's speaking to you through your body. So we're going to say to that person, you're going to have to say no to some desires that you, you have. You're going to have to pursue good, deep relational community in the body of Christ to help you work through these struggles. But we would rather that you struggle to remain in the body as the gender God has designed you. We're advocating there, Christians, for a very painful path for people. We're saying you need to conform your inner psychology to your external physical biology. That is painful. Let's acknowledge that. But in acknowledging that that path is painful, and in fact, the person you're talking to may think that is so painful, I can't imagine doing that. That There's no way. But you need to understand on the other side of it, to try to conform our physical biology to match our inward psychology, that itself is an incredibly painful path. If you've never looked into what transitioning is actually about, what folks who write on this, they'll, they'll point out that the process of transitioning one's gender involves social and psychological, personal aspects, but it also involves medical aspects. It involves Um, financial aspects. You have to change your entire wardrobe. You have to become familiar with all that. So social aspects involve things like presenting physically as another gender. You're dressing differently. Then you're going to go out of the closet. You're going to change legal documentation. That's a, there are a huge number of steps that you go through. That's all often what happens before a person might pursue a medical option. Medical options begin with hormonal therapies. Either you're going to be boosting hormones, so adding testosterone in, adding estrogen in, or, and, but on the other side, you're also going to be radically suppressing natural growth of hormones. You'll be taking hormone blockers, things that prohibit, uh, we, they're traditionally used to slow or prohibit puberty. We need to say about this, the medical step of transitioning, when you begin to use many of those hormone therapies, the, the majority of them will result in sterilization. What that means is the the full-blown hormonal treatments will rob you of your ability to reproduce, to have children in the future. You're going to cause, for many cases, 
at very least, profound infertility for a season, if not long-term, okay? They're, they're going to be radical changes that occur because of those hormone therapies and how your hair works, how your body feels, how your speech comes out. All of those hormonal therapies then typically come before any sort of surgical interventions. And surgical interventions remove two, involve kind of two steps. Um, step one would be the removal of physical sexual organs, and step two would be the reconstruction of artificial substitutes for those sexual organs. All of those surgical and hormonal interventions, we need to point out, are painful. So when we talk about a process, when we're talking to a person considering, I need to change my gender, they're a person who's hurting so much inside, they're willing to consider taking steps to correct that. But often, they have not considered the steps that you want to take are not going to alleviate your pain completely. They're going to cause incredible amounts of other pain. It is painful for a person to be sterilized to remove themselves permanently, especially, guys, when we're talking about transitioning in younger ages. This is where the legal questions come up of, should a minor even be able to do any of these things? Why is that a legal question? Because the question is, should we allow a minor, someone under the age of 18, to decide to render themselves sterile, to sterilize themselves? Boy, that I don't see how we can go there as a society. So, the point to make is this. If you are struggling this deeply with your gender that you're considering the painful process of transitioning genders, we need to say, as Christians, we're calling you to a painful process to try work to deny what you're feeling, to fight against that feeling, to, to conform to the biological design that God's given you. We know that's painful, but we need to be honest to say the other way is also painful. It's not like just changing your gender is not painful. It, it's profoundly painful. So the question is, which painful process is the wisest to pursue? And as Christians, we're going to say the wisest pursuit is to allow our bodies to speak to our minds, to allow our social circumstances to speak to our minds, to conform our inward sense to our outward biology. We know that may be painful, but we think it's the best path. Inevitably, if you have a friend or a family member who really wants to pursue that process of transitioning, that sort of question about what painful process they mean to follow will be one that you will have with them. And it's important to help them think through. Rather than just telling someone, you need to help them think through what steps would actually be involved in the process of transitioning, and you have you thought through how painful those would be personally, psychologically, physically, emotionally, financially. There are repercussions to our decisions in the real world, and we need to think those things through. I've just tried to address some of the questions that come up when we have these conversations that come to us as parents, as friends, as loved ones, because often people who are struggling with gender, with identity, with confusion, it's not just painful for them, it's painful for the people around them who love them. And so I'm trying to come alongside friends, family member today, and this podcast just say that um, there's wisdom from God that can help you. But if I could give you kind of a final word of encouragement, 
many times parents, when they go through this, they say, Mark, when I, we told people, it felt like a, a hidden secret that we didn't know how to say. It felt like we were coming out of the closet as parents almost. We didn't know what to do. Parents, I want to give you the courage. If you got a son, a daughter, friends, if family members, if you got a sibling who's struggling, you're going to need other Christians to love you, to listen to you, to share God's word with you, to encourage you in this process of walking with someone you love. Don't feel like you can't have this conversation. I would just want to implore you. We are called as God's people to bear one another's burdens, to fulfill the law of Christ. And so if you have someone you love who's struggling in this way, you need to have the space in your local church to talk with people who love you who will pray for you, and who will be with you in this process of trying to be faithful to Jesus. So my hope is, if you've heard nothing else in this little episode of the Equip Podcast, that you heard me encourage you, go talk to someone you love. Let them pray with you. Don't feel like you have to figure this all out alone. God's people and God's church are here to walk with you. So lean into that for wisdom. And I trust that God will help you as you're moving forward to just continue to walk faithfully with him in this difficult place. And my hope is that in these last couple episodes, there have been just little bits of wisdom from God that can be helpful to people who are just walking on the path, trying to be faithful to Jesus. 